0: Already this morning I have switched the mic packs to confuse our sound tech. I forgot to tell you that we were going to sing four verses of that opening hymn instead of three. We found it to the end eventually together. And what I'm now, what I'm about to tell you has, over the course of my most recent memory, has been the most shocking revelation, personal revelation, I read the first Harry Potter novel, and I didn't read the rest of them. But when the last one came out in the bookstore, I ran down and read the last two chapters. It's a little bit of my personal character. I I like to know how things end. If people recommend to me something to watch on television, to binge watch... I cycle through all the episodes and watch the last one so I can see how it ends. I want to know if it's worth the time. I'll even fast forward over plot changes I don't like. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It turns out, though, that with me, no one has ever really liked the ending of the Gospel of Mark. You heard it today. They were terrified and they said no one to anybody. I am one of those uh, of the generation now that some of you think I am younger, but I am older than all those who did not see Star Wars in the theaters. I saw them all, the originals. But how disappointing it was when the prequels came out. They were terrible. If you look at the endings of the gospel, Mark, that are in, that are in your Bible, those, they're, they're bracketed after the end of verse 8, they're not very good. It just seems as if, and scholars are now almost unanimous in saying the original manuscripts, whether it got eaten by a dog at the end, I don't know, end at verse 8. Cue the closing credits, bring up the light, that's it. No appearance stories. No resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Just a hole in the ground and terror. I want a refund. (laughs) We brought all these brass in here for nothing. We like closure. We don't like loose ends. We like to know where the story is going. And so in the second and third centuries, Scribes begin to add those endings that you will find in Mark. On the other hand, there is something true to life about this ending, something about it that is good news. The two Marys and Salome are returning to the comfort of routine, tending to closure. The crucifixion is over. The funeral is done. The guests and family are gone. The last trips to the airport have been made. And it's the first good night's sleep in weeks. And the women are doing what they would in the ancient world to come to closure. They bought spices to tend to the body. Routine. Tradition. Ritual. Helps us through. Helps secure loose ends. And to tell you the truth if I were one of the disciples now hiding who knows where a secret part of myself would be thankful that all that was over. For those of you here in our passion service last Sunday or in Good Friday we felt the weight of what our humanity is like. And I want you to know That it's okay in your journeys, when moments of difficulty have passed, no matter how much you have loved the life before, it's okay to let go and say, I'm glad it's over. It's a natural part of living and grieving to be relieved that a crisis has passed, to be comforted by closure. And so the women went to the tomb to find theirs and what they found wasn't closure it was the defiance of it and that was terrifying you see this is the thing that we are most afraid of the reason why I like to know the way things end is that we are afraid of an open future unknown, beyond our control or predicting. Admit it. Your daughter or granddaughter goes out on her first date. Now that's an open future. Your son is going off to college or is on spring break for the first time to somewhere you don't know. You've lost your last parent by death or your spouse by divorce. You are just retired. All the routine gone at once. These transitions are terrifying. Why? Because the future is open. It's unpredictable. Some of us are... Closer to the edge of the Jordan than we used to be. What's on the other side? Loose ends. Here's what I think. Why this passage might be good news. To me, this Easter telling in Mark. No resurrection appearance. Because the power of Christ is at loose in the future. Out ahead of us. In that place we are afraid to go. The angel tells the women, go tell them to meet him out there. Christ is always out ahead of us. For me, the word Christ in my intellectual modern liberalism means the power of God at loose in the world, in solidarity with the suffering, with me in my darkest hour. The Christ lives and is out ahead of you. Do not be afraid and do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let yourself get hung up too much on the resurrection of the body language that makes it into our creeds because in the text itself, even when Jesus appears, the presence of Christ to the new disciples is different. His body changed, transformed, and those of us who've watched our body transform over the years can appreciate that. (laughs) We will all be changed at the sound of the last trumpet and when the world is remade, but until that day, We live in a world where our God inhabits our future ahead of us. We don't need to control it. We don't need to know it. He will meet us there. The tradition doesn't pretend that such a thing is believable in the intellectual sense of the word. It's hard to believe in the midst of any tragedy or failure or life change that a new day might be dawning. We're pretty fond of the old days, usually. I've never noted that in here. How can we let go? And trust our future to a God who's out ahead of us, always out ahead of us, calling us forward in life. I will be with you. The Gospels simply bear witness to the fact of it and leave us to trust it. The first Christians will go from today's text and will not be silent. They will go out into the world and meet the risen Christ and that changed their lives forever. At our best, it changed our culture, seeding into the Western intellectual tradition the idea that each And every human being is a child of God. It came from the affirmation of life in the gospel, in the Judaic tradition. It has been forgotten by Western intellectual traditions who cannot find their way philosophically to that affirmation. It rests on us. Christ is risen. That's your cue. In the first service, I had a second service. I had a, a two-year-old. Every other sentence would say, "Uh-oh." <laughs> we made it through it together. It is a peculiar thing to be up here. I really, I could never imagined in my life being here. The Apostle Paul says the same thing, writing to the church in Corinth, likely the first Easter sermon, but before the Gospels were written, even Paul writes this letter to the church in a place called Corinth. And he says, the Apostle, I pass on to you what I received, that Jesus Christ was raised, they saw him, lots of people did, and last of all things, he appeared to me. It's only by that impossible grace, the Apostle says, that I am who I am. I was a persecutor. And now I am free. It's not an argument or an explanation. It's, it's witness to the impossible grace transforming our lives out in the future. Always there. Welcoming each one of us as a child of God. Three women running away in silence, those bumbling disciples. Sinners and deniers scattered in fear. Paul, the persecutor of the church. Something happened to them. They met the power of life itself. That's what happened. The undefeatable grace of God. And it changed them. And it changed the course of history in an unbroken line to your seat, you today. Friends, I stand in a 2,000-year-old tradition and hand on to you what has been given to me. I can't explain it. Least of all me, I was a preacher's kid. Now I know, I know some of your preachers, some of you are preacher's' kids. I got out of that not wanting to be in church. <laughs> my first career, computer analyst. Young adult. My family experienced a tragedy, and I went home to be present with them in my hometown church, and the word went out. Jello salads went into refrigerators all over town. Green bean casseroles and hot dishes began to show up at our door. And I felt enfolded in that love. An extraordinary vulnerable thing it is in the world. Yet in the defiant in the face of hatred and death, you see. Enfolded in that living grace of God. Always out ahead of me. Christ is risen. Surely the first disciples got a better view of Jesus than I did in a jello salad. But in the face of death, it's an extraordinary thing. Enough to convince me that God inhabits my future. On the best days, it gets me the courage to open the front door and step out into it. It can be there for you. It is. So I hand on to you today what has been given to me, and this is of first importance. That there's not an end to this story. You are the sequel. <laughs> we go out into the world to finish the story, to meet the grace of God, to be in ministry with those in Galilee to stand for the outcast and the suffering. To be there in those simple moments, if it's nothing but a don't bring me jello salad, but. You know what I mean. I have watched you be this love for one another. But Christ is not here. Christ is risen. A smart person would end this service here, but we've got a lot more singing to do. (laughs) But let us go into the world and join our voices to this extraordinary song and to God alone will be the glory. Now and forever, Christ is risen.